0: To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi.
4: Guess who's back? The Dream Team, welcome in Sports Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky, right Guess you. who's not here? Yeah, guess who's not guess here. Guess
3: who's missing work again?
4: Oh, well, here, here's the thing about that. I've got to i got to tread lightly on Richard uh, taking days off because I got four shows upcoming next month that I will not be here
3: for. Just got to prove. So, I, you, I, you got three shows next the rest of this week that I'm not going to be here for. So, yeah, you know what? Forget that.
4: All of us deserve a little time off. That's right. He gets, he averages like three and a half shows per week for the year.
3: That takes more PTO than the president. He
4: does. Uh, can't, well, I,
3: and by the president, I can, I, I'll, I'll give you Trump or Biden. Both of them are out there on the golf course every dang well, day.
4: What, what do you think uh, Richard's Camp David looks like? Is it a beach house at 30A? That's exactly <laughs> what it
3: is. Well, it's he's mean, been. Everybody, what is it? Nobody's ever had a bad time on a jet ski.
4: <laughs> and Jeff, right on cue, says Richard might miss more work than President Biden. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, he'll join us here in a little bit, though. Uh, to you know, He's a guest
3: us. on his own show He's today. He's a guest yes. on his
4: own show today for a couple of segments. He carved out some time for us this afternoon, so we appreciate him. Yeah. We appreciate Richard for that. Uh, we'll also uh, talk some baseball with Mark Etheridge, who was there alongside Brian Haydad for the uh, record-breaking weekend there in Starkville, so we'll talk to him coming up uh, a little bit later. Uh, we got a big week ahead, so it's not going to be so much today because I think we're going to talk a lot of football today. But but coming up Wednesday and Thursday and Friday, we will talk a lot about baseball. Uh, but I, spirit of full disclosure, I just sent an email. Uh, to somebody at Coastal Carolina hoping to get Coach Gilmore on. Just figured, you know, why not? Not Happy Gilmore, Gary Gilmore. Uh, but just just take a flight. He might be right? happy. Yeah, he, he may be. Uh, but a huge might series uh, upcoming uh, this weekend there in Conway, uh, Southern Miss at Coastal Carolina. We're going to talk about that this week. That's a big one. And what what's fascinating about that series, at least in my opinion, is that in years past – Southern Miss, despite having good RPIs and stuff like that, it felt like there was like one or two series a year that they just had to win. Or else, they were because of the conference they were in, they were just kind of stuck behind the eight ball in terms of metrics and all that. This weekend is a huge opportunity for them. But it's not like you better win or else you're done for. No chance to host or anything like that. Because of... The Sun Belt, as opposed to Conference USA. The new conference gives point, you yeah. more interesting matchups, but also doesn't make you so desperate to win the interesting matchups. Now, you would love to win the league and win this series, and you know if you lose this series, you do have some work to do to host and all that. But it's not like, okay, here's the one, and if you don't win it, sorry. doesn't work that way this weekend. It's still big nonetheless, though.
3: Yeah. That's a really good point about about what being in the Sun Belt, sun belt has done for, uh, for for Southern Miss because you're right I mean they they have bigger games and as a result of that they have games where they can you know afford to lose but if they do win it puts them in in just an incredibly good position and that's what they've got this weekend this is a this is a weekend if they can get a series the series win over Coastal Carolina when they have a, they have a, they really are, are, are making yeah. and I talked about this last week a statement about we can be one of those last few hosts.
4: For sure, absolutely. And, uh, I mean, we know because we've seen it, the crowds would be great, the environment would be great, and, um, yeah, absolutely. So we'll talk about that later on as the week goes. Looking forward to those conversations. We'll get Luke on, of course. Uh, But I hope we get a response here. I kind of want to talk to the Coastal Carolina baseball coach and just see what he thinks about Southern Miss and all that stuff. We'll see. I don't know. I'm I'm taking a flyer on it. Uh, We'll see. I also yeah. more spirit of full disclosure inside baseball here. Um, I've already started mapping out some uh, coach interviews. I'm hoping to get from the FCS opponents on the schedule. It's hard oh, like yeah. it's hard to get Sam Pittman on the phone to preview the Arkansas Mississippi State game on game yes. week. Like it, there's more hoops to jump through. But the Southeast Louisiana coach, the Mercer coach, yeah. They, they well, don't have anybody asking them for stuff, so that's something you can that, maybe
3: get some of those group of five guys on there. You can get something. Mean, state plays uh, Western Michigan. Why not? Yeah. He'll come on with us, wouldn't he? Uh, so you, you that think? is
4: part of. Um, I've got. It's not a board; it's a notepad. But I just kind of write down random stuff that I that I want to do, and that's on there now. It's you know why not? It's try Borky these guys. Thoughts. Yeah, Borky thoughts, basically. So hopefully,
3: borkythoughts.gov. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Whatever Creed thoughts are, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I uh, I love it. I've but read some of that. It's it's dark even for the Internet. <laughs> uh,
4: somebody says it's a red-letter day. Richard isn't there. Oh, let's be nice.
3: You're yeah, not be wrong,
4: be but you didn't have to say it, Stephen A. Smith. You can never tell if you're listening to Richard or Biden. They sound about the same. Ooh, we're going to tell him about that.
3: They're both demented. Yeah. <laughs>
4: So, uh, let's talk football, though. we got a lot of football content today, and I'm excited about that. You know what hey that is, because you, you know must I talk I am, football. yeah. What's the... And uh, somebody told me when, when I first started here, in the South, especially in an SEC state, when in doubt, talk football. 365 days a year, if you're talking football, your audience is going to like it. So why not? And let's start with this. Oh, no. Devastation. What happened?
3: No, it's, nothing. Nothing happened. Well, football problem, fo- though,
4: Football didn't happened. happen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway,
3: so... I don't know how he missed that.
4: The, the ESPN Football Power Index Top 30 uh, came out today. And the ma- FPI. The yeah. FPI, and as you guys know, and if you don't know, we'll tell you, it's a mathematical formula. This is not ESPN writers releasing a ranking. This is their algorithm, and a lot of factors go into it. Returning production... Uh, being one of those things, uh, yeah, that kind of stuff. It's an algorithm that determines how teams are ranked. And I want to kind of play a little game with this. Too high, too low, or just right on the ESPN FPI, the Football Power Index, is this team ranked too high, too low, or are they just right? Number one in the FPI is Ohio State.
3: You have to say too high, just because you know at the end of the year it won't be them winning the national title. They'll be in the they'll be in the hunt all year. They'll be in the top five, yeah. but they won't be there at the end. It'll be Georgia or Alabama. Imagine, or maybe LSU
4: if that kick goes in, which he missed it badly. So you've got to kind of stretch yeah. to get that kick to go in because, ugh, he missed it badly. But what are we talking about today if that kick goes in? Because you know they would have beaten TCU badly too.
3: Yes. Oh, Ohio State would have killed TCU. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely.
4: Maybe not Absolutely. as bad as Georgia did, but they would have.
3: So what? What would the
4: narrative today be about Kirby Smart, about Georgia, about college football? What would we be talking about today? Doesn't matter because Georgia won. Yeah, and it's different. Continued yeah. the uh, reigning dominance of the SEC. Alabama number two.
3: I mean, you are I'll say just right because they'll be in that, that area all year. I don't know if they'll win the national title or not, but they'll be in the top two, three all year, sure.
4: And uh, the aforementioned Georgia Bulldogs, number three.
3: Probably too low. I think they, I think they should be number one. I mean, yeah. I know they, they lost a ton, but just use a little common sense and look at their schedule and tell me who's going to beat them before they get to the SEC championship game. Yeah,
4: Georgia's schedule. I'm going to pull it up right now, actually. wasn't planning on doing this, so uh, I'm going to do it on the fly. Georgia's schedule for an SEC team is an absolute joke.
3: and It's partially not that. I always, I always fault. do this. I, know, I always feel like I have to say it, but like they were supposed to play Oklahoma this year, but that got taken away by the SEC because Oklahoma's joining the conference yeah. next season.
4: So who did they add? Was it UAB that they took on instead?
3: Yeah, it's one. I mean, it's a group of five school. They just they they got the, they got the only school they could get at this time.
4: So it's either Ball State or UAB. But either way, here is the reigning national champions' schedule: UT Martin, Ball State, South Carolina, UAB at home in four consecutive weeks, four consecutive home games. They go to Auburn. Yeah. They host Kentucky. They go to Vanderbilt, where they will have eighty-five percent of the stadium. Yeah. Off week, Florida and Jacksonville, Missouri at home, Ole Miss at home, at Tennessee, at Georgia Tech. There is one game I mean, where they won't be a double-digit favorite,
3: and yeah, they might
4: Tennessee.
3: still be. Uh, they'll definitely be favored in that game, so they should be twelve and zero without a whole lot of effort.
4: Don't have to try. There is something interesting about that top three, though. Who's going to play quarterback?
3: For any of them, yeah, that's the thing. Nobody knows. You don't. You just don't know. You know, probably Carson Beck, probably Ty Simpson, probably uh, Kyle McCord. But those are probabilities until we get to August. You know.
4: Yeah, for uh, for sure. Six zero one eight seven nine forty three ninety five is the C Spire text line. If you want to be a part of the show? We'd love to have you. We get this message just tuned in. Richard must be playing golf today. <laughs> He's not. Probably. He's not. The reason why he's not here right now is actually a very valid, understandable reason. But you know what they say about, you know, track records like Draymond Green last night? Draymond didn't get the benefit of the doubt when he stomps on somebody. He totally did it on purpose, but guy like him doesn't get the benefit of the doubt. Maybe Richard is on the Boy Cron Wolf. Yeah. <laughs> uh, more FBI when we come back.
0: Okay, what we do next? Keep it moving, buddy. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888 808 8637 on Super Talk Mississippi.
4: Michael Borky and Brian Haydad with you talking about ESPN's FPI that uh, I guess got updated today. Ohio State 1, Bama 2, Georgia 3, and the first team with a returning quarterback, LSU number 4.
3: First off, I would encourage you all to check out my great interview with Wilson Alexander from The Advocate on the Thunder and Lightning podcast. uh, Good guy that Wilson Alexander. Um, Great guy. and he and I are kind of in the same boat. Like LSU was inconsistent last year; they should have they should have been eleven and one in all reality. They had no business losing to Florida State. They had no business losing to Texas A and M at the end of the year. So if they can get some consistency, yeah, they'll be right there in the mix. And and Daniels is a guy that if he's better than he was last year, if he improves, he's going to not only be you know a, a chance to be a national championship playoff quarterback have a chance to be a Heisman candidate, and have a chance to be a really high draft choice.
4: Is there anybody else, I guess I should say, that can be this year's LSU? A team that, when you look at the divisions, oh, it's Alabama, it's Georgia, Alabama-Georgia, Alabama-Georgia, and then in the also SEC? LSU, and the SEC. So aside from those three, is there anybody that can nah. be this year's LSU Tennessee. to sneak up and win the division?
3: Tennessee. Because they would be sneaking up. Because you, yeah. you don't know what to expect with Milton. But those are the only four. Literally nobody else can win the conference. Those are the only four teams that can. I hate that. Uh, you're right. I mean, it just is what it is. But it's, I mean, look at the Big Ten. There's only two teams that can win the conference there.
4: Yeah. In fact, that might be a stretch. Although Wisconsin's, I think, yeah. is going to surprise people. I love Luke Fickle. Mi-
3: Michigan should be Michigan should be good this year. L- Wisconsin's a year away. Yeah. Fickle will get them going, but Michigan will be good this year. They'll be good.
4: Texas number five. By the way, on no. Texas, uh football we- coaches are liars because there is No quarterback competition at Texas. (laughs) Like there, Quinn Ewers is the starting quarterback at Texas, and it is not close. I mean, I'm sure that Sark has to say that to some degree to appease people, but it's not close, and it shouldn't be. By the way, like in fairness to Arch Manning, he was getting a lot of crap online because he did not play well in Texas' spring game. He should be going to prom next month.
3: Well, and the other side the other side of that is Quinn Ewers is incredibly talented. He was also the number one quarterback yeah. in the country coming out of high school, and now he has a year of, of, of work as two. a starter.
4: Well, well, two years in yeah, college, two,
3: one as a starter. Two years in college, one year as a starter. It would have been an upset for him to lose the job, yes. I understand Arch. I, look, Arch Manning, long term, he'll be fine. Be just fine. Maybe not in Texas, because you never know with the portal, but he, he's going to be fine. But Quinn Ewers, right now, I mean, he's a, he's going to be draft eligible after this year. He's probably a top 10 pick.
4: If he plays to his he's ability, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Arch Manning like... I mean, a little bit like...
3: Will Levis is going to be the number two pick in the yeah. draft. I bet Quinn Ewers can, can get there, too.
4: Peter Schrager dropped a mock draft. We have time today. We'll get to it because Schrager is the smartest guy that covers NFL, and his mock draft will tell you exactly why. But Arch Manning looked like a guy that had been playing low-level, private high school football a few months ago. That's what he looked yeah. like. And that's to be expected. And I understand why, why people do what they do online, because the Manning name just carries so much weight. And when a Manning doesn't look good, it's ha-ha-ha. Uh, but but judging a high school senior based on his spring game performance isn't exactly fair. I no. get it, but it, it's it's not exactly fair. The aforementioned Michigan Wolverines, number six to start the year,
3: probably a little underrated to be honest with you. Not, I mean, right now Michigan is built to beat Ohio State. Ohio State is not built to take on the, the, these physical Michigan teams, and that game will be in Ann Arbor this year. Yeah,
4: so. for however close the the game with Georgia was, Ohio State got ran through. I mean, it's only they because they could score that. I'm talking about the Georgia game. With Ohio State. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because you mentioned yeah, yeah. physicality. Georgia, a really physical football team, and, and they imposed their will on Ohio State. It's just Ohio State also had playmakers to to score as well, but they still couldn't stop Georgia at all either. Yeah. Defense no. is a problem there, and it doesn't make sense because the brand of Ohio State is what? Great linebacker play. I mean, that that's Ohio State's
3: thing, and they haven't had I mean, they were, I mean, the, everybody they're, they're putting out there on defense was a four- or five-star kid, but – For whatever reason, it's not clicking right now.
4: Southern Cal, number seven. I feel like that's low. I think that's too low.
3: Well, that's the best quarterback in college football. So, I mean, that gives you something that nobody else has. Offensively, they should be really good again. But are they, you know, when when it matters, are they going to step up? They didn't last year.
4: No. I mean, that Utah, it was a great game, but the Utah loss, and then I know nobody cares about bowl games. That but. they had no business losing to Tulane, and they did. Yeah. And that, you know, to some people confirms a narrative about Lincoln-Riley. And again, nobody cares about bowl games, but Lincoln-Riley's teams, since he's been a head coach, get smoked in the biggest games of the year. They've made the playoff consistently, or he did at Oklahoma, and they were non-competitive.
5: Yeah.
4: They were competitive. And then he gets to USC, and he has a great regular season, and then you go to the Cotton Bowl with the Heisman Trophy winner. And what are you? Losing to Tulane. Good Tulane team, but come on.
3: I mean, I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. Yeah, like, I want to see South Southern Cal win when it matters. Yeah.
4: Clemson, number eight. People love Klubnik. Just just love Klubnik. Him at Clemson. Prove it year kind of for Dabo, though. Made a big hire at OC. Yeah. Went outside of his coaching tree, which is different for Dabo. Big year for him.
3: When Clemson has a great quarterback, they're a great team. I think Klubnik has the tools to be a great quarterback. So we'll see what happens there.
4: Here's my college football sleeper, Notre Dame, at mm-hmm. nine.
3: Yeah, I mean, Sam Hartman gives them a, a good quarterback, you know, and... and Obviously their schedule is going to play into their favor. They don't play I mean USC will be their toughest game. They have an opportunity to if, if you know they, they have to go probably have to go undefeat it, but if they do, they're gonna be right there in the playoff talk.
4: Notre Dame's schedule this year, by the way, they are uh playing Ohio State again.
3: Still. Okay, well never mind And they do they they do have a tough so if they go undefeated on that schedule for sure they're going to be you know in the playoff.
4: Yeah. Um Wait a minute. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh, they have two buys. Okay, good. I was about they're playing in Week Zero, and I was like, I only see one buy here. Yeah, they have yeah, got they, two. Yeah. Um, but it's Navy oh, they're Tennessee playing, they're State playing in Ireland, aren't they? Yeah, they are. They're playing Navy and Ireland, uh, Tennessee State at NC State. That's kind of interesting. Although NC State lost, like all of their good players uh, to the portal or to the NFL. Uh, Central Michigan Ohio State at home. At Duke, at Louisville, Southern Cal at home. Off week, Pittsburgh at home at Clemson. Off week Wake Forest at home at Stanford.
3: Who at Clemson too. So yeah. The... They can they go eleven be the, the, and one the, the, though. They can be eleven there. They could be the best nine and three team in the country. Yeah. They would be that team if this was a twelve team playoff if you they were like the the eleven seed, nobody would want to play them.
4: Penn State at ten. It always feels like yeah. Penn State under Franklin, it's like they're good, but you know that they have a
3: ceiling. They're never great. Yeah.
4: Oklahoma they're at 11? Great. That seems really high considering how bad they were last year, but Gabriel's got a million must, yards in his career.
3: Yeah, they must have just have a ton of uh, of uh, production returning.
4: And, you know, people, uh, maybe it's just a brand thing, but I have heard people talk, well, Oklahoma's going to bounce back. They're definitely going to be better this year. How do you know?
3: Because it's it's Oklahoma. Yeah. You just don't expect Oklahoma to be bad two years in a row. Which is fine, you know, because when's the last time it happened? When's the last time Oklahoma was bad, period, prior to last year? Before I was So, born. you know, when, you, when you're a brand name, when you're a brand name, that's why with Mississippi State baseball this year, oh, they'll be back, they'll bounce back, no problem. Everybody said it, right? Why? Because of Mississippi State baseball. It's the same thing with Oklahoma football. You, know, you, you just you get you get some some brand recognition. You get a little credit in the bank. Tennessee twelve. That feels a. Uh, but here's the thing. That feels
4: low. People love Milton, mm-hmm. but there's a reason Joe Milton lost his job, and because he has the strongest arm probably in college football. And last season had no control of it, none, or two years ago. Forgive me. Right. It was two years yeah. ago when he lost the job to Hindenhooker. Hooker.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Had no control. Tennessee. Tennessee is is one of the bigger wild cards in college football this year. We, we, we just don't know what they're going to be. They'll, they'll be good offensively. They'll score points. They'll probably still win eight, nine, ten games. But can they be a real contender? That we don't know right this second.
4: Richard Cross will join us next for his, uh, his daily segment on this here radio show. <laughs> He's connected, so we heard that. Uh, so we're going to get in trouble, but anyway, he'll uh, he'll join us next. I'm week. not. We'll, we'll talk some more football with him. Mark Etheridge will join us at the top of four o'clock hour. React to the record breaking weekend in Starkville. I've also got a fair or foul for you. We get a good chance to make fun of Arkansas later in the show as well. It's Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Sports
0: talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi.
1: Will you ever get so excited that you just can't wait?
0: Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial! Here on Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Who's that? Hey boys,
3: what's shaking? I know him. It looks familiar. So you just come in late and get—he just comes in late and gets center square. How does that work?
4: Well, presets and you know. Oh my gosh, it's just—god, it of is how it is. I, I could adjust it, I guess, but then it would—you know—require effort that wow. I'm not willing to give. Yeah, don't, right don't now. worry about
0: it. Don't worry. About it. Don't worry
2: about it. Yeah. I, look, I mean, you don't even have to put me on video. Whatever you want to do. I, I heard the uh, the parting shot. I'll come in well, for my segment. That, that's how we're doing? There you go. We He's go. gone. See, now I'm just a guest.
3: You, you know him as the host of Sports Talk Mississippi. He's Richard Cross joining us now on the Ceasefire text line.
2: I think it's the Farm Bureau guest line, actually.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. I wish it was the text line.
2: Oh, I'm, sure <laughs> I'm sure you I do. Us. I, I'm sure you do. Check out, by the way, check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. What's uh, so as you I said it, I was it. like that wasn't right. I
3: knew it in my head. I was like that's that's not correct. I didn't. I said something incorrect.
2: That's okay. I knew it. So right. you boys are deep into the college football out of the gate today. Yeah,
4: you figured. You know, it's Tuesday. We'll do a lot of baseball later this week. Had some ideas with football. I, I'm going to make fun of Arkansas later. You guys might disagree. But I'm going to make fun of Arkansas later. I've got um, I've got a proposition for the college football fix. We're going to talk about spring now that we've seen spring uh, these spring games and spring practice is over. W- what we've truly learned about both teams, but you cannot use the word quarterback. Right. So what you've learned Be easier for me, but you cannot use the word quarterback. So we got to talk about something else. Cannot use the right. word quarterback.
3: Well, now that Richards here, though, let's get to the, the 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 meat of the matter in the FPI, the team that our listeners would be most interested in. So we
4: left off at Tennessee, Oregon at thirteen. Ducks are probably going to have a big year. TCU,
2: or excuse me, Florida State at fourteen. Also, I had Roddy Jones, by the way, from uh, ACC Network, talking about Florida State today, and he was gushing about them. Just, he's he really good. From a depth standpoint, they are deep everywhere on the field except safety. And so whoever the – was I think it was – i uh, do not matter. Whoever was asking him a question, he goes, so anything short of a 10-win season is disappointing. And he was like, well, yeah. He said, but I think I'll pick them to lose to Clemson, and I think I'll pick them to lose to LSU, and you never know with Florida. I'm like, well, okay, what are we talking about here? Because – if Florida State is going to be back, and, and maybe 14 is reminiscent of a, a schedule that's likely to have them go somewhere between 9 and 3 and 10 and 2, I, I don't know how the FPI... Aren't, isn't FPI the one that breaks it down with, like, fractional? Like, they give you a, you know, uh, likely to have 9.2 wins right. versus... Yep. yeah mm-hmm. Okay. So, maybe right. that's exactly the right spot. I mean, if they're projected at, at 14 in the preseason FPI, maybe that's about where that number is, but... It does feel like Mike Norvell's kind of settled things down. Yeah. It does.
3: I mean, this time last year we were like, okay. Well, last year we were like, okay, this time next year, Deion Sanders will be there.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. right. And and you remember how – so he goes in from Memphis, and then it was – lie is not the right word but there was not a good communication path between he and some of his stars on the football team and he was saying one thing and then they would say something else and he was like well i meant this and it just it did not go well from the beginning and they had to take a couple of years to kind of get it right from a cultural standpoint they got a really good quarterback they've got you know good pieces all over that offense that that could be a fun football team for sure utah
4: at 15 uh, tough road game for Florida. Uh, to, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Florida's schedule is uh, tough on the front end, and uh, they're in the quarterback market. So it's almost May, and Florida's quarterback is possibly not even on their roster yet. So, hey, I-,
2: I know you were talking about these guys earlier. Is uh, is Florida's quarterback currently on Texas's roster? Um. Oh heck! What's his name? Is it McMurphy? Murphy, Marcus Mur- Murphy,
3: Malik Murphy, Malik, Malik Murphy. Murphy.
2: Yeah, I, I knew it was an M. I was I was in the ballpark. Marcus Murphy's from West Point,
3: though. So
2: oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, Malik Murphy had a really good spring game. He was hurt last year, kind of took him out of the competition for the the job with Quinn Ewers.
4: Somebody's making a joke on the text line. We said, "Who's the quarterback?" And he said, "The player that receives the snap hands the ball off or passes to the player running routes." Thank you.
2: <laughs> Appreciate
4: the technical definition. Very kind of you. But that's interesting. I haven't heard that. But, I mean, even if that happens, he's joining the team at the earliest, at the end of next month. That's tough. But either way. And number 16, old Miss. hmm, Top 16 FPI team. They'll be in most preseason polls somewhere in the 20s, though. For, for most of them. They won't be so, ranked in some of them as well. But
3: And we have to, you know, this is the caveat that we had with State a couple years ago. When State was, was ranked early in this poll. was ranked highly. It's because of the two starting quarterbacks. It's because having Dart and Sanders production on the roster at the same time, the same way State did a couple years ago when they had Will Rogers and Jack Abraham and Chance Loveridge, three guys who had been starting quarterbacks, all of those numbers pile
2: up for them. That plus the fact that the numbers are so prolific for Quinshawn Judkins from a year ago. Yes, and yes. I mean, is it career numbers or just the previous season's numbers? It's the career numbers. I'm pretty sure. So okay. I mean, that's well, then S- you've Sanders got Ulysses you've got Ulysses Bentley's Bentley, career yeah. numbers that are in there as well. Yeah, you've got yeah. career numbers for um, the Trey Wallace from, uh, Lot from Louisiana Tech.
3: Tech. Yeah, yeah. We had, we had like 90 catches last year, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, so yeah. Ole Miss has got a ton of numbers in their uh, in their in their current roster. They have a really experienced
4: offense, and basically the exact opposite on defense, as is tradition f- for Ole Miss, I guess. But when you really look at w- what they have offensively, you know, pick your quarterback. Jackson Dart has had a full season of starts under his belt. Um, Spencer Sanders has four seasons of starts under his belt. So that that's your quarterback. One of those
2: two. Your running back is a guy that led the SEC in rushing a year ago. You, you have... And, and you had a freshman all-conference player in a different league from three seasons ago. Yeah. You have a, a tight
4: end that caught 800 yards worth of passes last year at Memphis. And also Michael Trigg, who... We haven't talked about this. We can later. I don't remember Michael Trigg lining up as a traditional tight end in the spring game. May have happened. He was... Lined up more so as a wide receiver than a tight end, just something to
2: yeah to to watch moving forward. But by the say, way, he, he made a couple of catches in the spring game that were yeah ridiculously athletic. Now, in fairness, he did that a year ago in the spring game also. I don't know yes. that he had one of the catches that he had two spring games ago where he like you know goes up and snatches it one hand. But there was one where he was actually had gone to the ground and like reaches up while laying on the ground and just snatches the ball out of the air. And you are like, oh. Oh, that, that that's skill. That's talent. That's a different level of athleticism. But it's putting it together, right? I mean, you got to do that in the yep. fall because it's not worth much in the spring. No, the athletic ability is of a first-round. Now,
4: hear me. The athletic ability is that of a first-round pick. That does not mean he is one. But the athletic ability is that of one, if that makes sense. Sure. Um, and then you look at wide receivers. I mean, Watkins was at Louisville, played well. Played well last year. You mentioned the Louisiana Tech transfer, thousand yards worth of passes last year. I mean, the the experience. Jalen Knox was at Missouri. I think he had what was it, four hundred yards his last year at Missouri before he came to Ole Miss. Then had a red shirt, had to sit out. Yeah. The the experience on that offense, a returning four offensive linemen, and then you brought in two transfers, one of which was a full time starter at UAB. And another who was a starter at the University of Washington. The experience is there. There's no other way around that. Now, can they put it together and produce? We'll see. Obviously, they've done it in the past. The thing that Old Miss has to improve on—it's not twenty to twenty. It's red zone offense.
2: That has got to get better. So I don't remember if we talked about this yesterday, and I know we're up against the break. Chris Doring, in our meeting with Lane Kiffin on Friday, asked Lane about self scouting and, you know, you know, what you do in the offseason. And that was going to go one of two ways, right? You are either going to get a flippant, I don't really care to talk about that answer, or you were going to get something that was pretty insightful. And Lane kind of paused, and he looked down at his hands, and then he kind of threw his head back, and he kind of gave it a, uh, and then he started talking. And he actually went into a pretty fair amount of detail of, When they went back and looked and analyzed it, something that really frustrated him about the way they run their program. I'll tell you what he said when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, Super Talk TV. You want to be a part of the conversation, you can join us on the Ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. That's 601-879-4395. This is Sports Talk Mississippi.
0: Let's go back and now back to the- back to the sports this is sports talk mississippi so let's get rolling on super talk mississippi City.
2: with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV on this Tuesday afternoon. Southern Miss baseball on the road tonight in Ruston against Louisiana Tech. Old Miss baseball in Jonesboro taking Arkansas State, Mississippi State with a Tuesday night off after their game with Southern was cancelled. Southern University out of Baton Rouge had a uh, they had a rainout over the weekend. That had to be made up, and so they were unable to play the game. And Chris Lamonas told us yesterday his preference would be to play the game, just to kind of stay in a rhythm. But uh, I think we all kind of talked about it and thought that maybe a day off, a little bit of rest for Mississippi State as they get set for a uh, big series on the road against Auburn this weekend um, would be a good thing. So we'll yeah, see. Also, probably not the worst thing
4: uh, to to not have an RPI hit. I mean, it's good. True. And the schedule is not going to, you know – one game's not really going to kill you, but dropping a
2: few spots just for playing a game is not ideal. Yeah. By the way, if you want to scout Auburn, they are on the SEC Network tonight at, uh, at 6 o'clock against um, Samford. So that's why I'm kind of in and out today. I've got that, that game coming up a little bit. Had a nice talk with uh, Butch Thompson earlier today. So always good to How's catch him. Uh, Was that a shameless plug? I respect it. It's fairly shameless, yes. <laughs> Fairly shameless. Uh, Butch is – he's good. Um, I mean, I I think he's got – they've been to Omaha two of the last three years, but you know how competitive Butch is, and you know how good of a person he is, and five and ten in the league and not playing well is weighing really heavily on him. I mean, I I think that's the the fairest way to to say that. So – he is one of the absolute good dudes, not just in baseball, but in all of college athletics, and uh, really cares about his players but also has a high expectation. So um, they're they are, they're struggling right now. So, I, man, I, I say that to say an opportunity for Mississippi State this weekend, trying to win a third straight series yeah. after uh, going on the road to Tuscaloosa getting it done at home against Ole Miss, and uh, now headed to a place in uh, in Auburn. Borky, yeah, I've got, like, ghosts in this Comrex. This thing feels like it's on the fritz. Anyway, I think we can make it a little while longer. It's all right. All right, so Richard. I... So i Hmm, nice. So I teased the, the conversation with Lane Kiffin. I feel like I should should follow through yeah. on that. So in terms of self-scouting, and stop me if I, I talked about this yesterday. I don't remember if we did or not. But he... Lane said, we've always done... And, you know, he's talking about his teams, his offenses, wherever he's been, whether you're talking about... Alabama, Tennessee, Southern Cal, FAU, Ole Miss' first couple of years. He said, we've always done a good job of evaluating what we do and then tweaking it a little bit so that we stay a step ahead of the defense. Last year, we didn't really make any changes to what we did well the previous season that allowed us to have the success that we did on fourth down. You remember two years ago, Ole Miss went for it on fourth down all the time, and they converted almost all the time. And it was spread everybody out, snap the ball to the quarterback, zone read, get a yard, keep the drive going. Or zone read, get six yards, keep the drive going. Well, defense is adjusted to that because not only was Ole Miss doing it, you had two or three programs in the SEC that were doing it, right? You had, And they're all kind of out of that Bryles offensive system, which is kind of where Ole Miss's offense is based from years ago, but certainly with tweaks. Arkansas was doing that with Kendall Bryles running their offense. Tennessee was doing that with Josh Heupel and Alex Golish, who were kind of running the offense out of that system as well. And and you had Ole Miss doing it as well. And so the adjustment that defenses made, we saw Mississippi State do it a ton. They went to zero blitzes, right? I mean, they were were run blitzing in short-yarded situations and just blowing up plays at the line of scrimmage over and over and over. And Lane said he was really disappointed in himself and frustrated with the way they handled that. And said that was a big focus in the offseason, being better in short yardage, being better in the red zone, you know, cashing in with with points and keeping drives going. He talked about the analytics piece a little bit and the the fact that they actually are a little more conservative than what analytics calls for on a on a fairly regular basis, which is surprising to some people. Um, so so I thought that was that was kind of fascinating. That that was, I mean, all of us look at it, we're like, you know what, you got to be better in the in the in short yardage situations in the red zone, and then the. Maybe the most interesting part of it was I said, "Hey, with all when you, when you peel away all the stuff, right? All the the Twitter and the other you know nil and transfer portal and portal king and nicknames and hot yoga and everything else that people talk about around you, do you still get more satisfaction from figuring out ways to manipulate defenses?" And he was like, "Absolutely." Without a doubt.
3: That's a good answer for Ole Miss fans.
2: It is. Right? So uh, that's the thing. I mean, there's all this stuff with Lane. But when it comes down to it, when he is at his best, it's figuring out ways to frustrate opposing defenses. And when he's locked in on that, I don't know that there's anybody in America that's better at doing that. He's gotten away from some of that. And you remember we were talking about it kind of after the season, somewhere maybe beginning of the spring. And I I said, I think Lane Kiffin should go back to calling plays. Now I don't think he's going to do that. I mean, I, I think that's Charlie Weiss Jr.'s job, and Lane's involved with game planning, and they bounce things off of each other. But I still don't know that that's not maybe the best way to utilize Lane Kiffin as a head coach, or for him to utilize himself for that matter. Mark Etheridge will join us on the Farm Bureau guest line when we come back. This is Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios.
0: If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Here, Sports Talk Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah! Super Talk Mississippi.
2: hour sports talk mississippi coming to you from the pearl river resort studio pearl river resort the home of the dancing rabbit golf club 218 hole championship courses the oaks and the azaleas to book a tea time or plan your trip visit them online at dancing we start this hour with a guest a guy that has been around southeastern conference baseball for a long time and does a great job covering it at d1 baseball.com mark Etheridge joins us on the farm bureau guest line check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. If you have not read Mark's latest piece, I would encourage you to uh, do so. It is kind of a recap of the overall weekend in Starkville, the unveiling of the new Ron Polk statue, and kind of everything that went into Super Bulldog Weekend, a really great overview from uh, kind of an outside observer. Mark, appreciate your time. I-, I would like to apologize on behalf of Mississippi State, even though I have absolutely nothing to do with this. For you having to sit next to Brian Haydad in the press box all weekend. So my apologies for that. <laughs> it was
5: rough. It really was. It showed a lot of patience.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, good, good for you. Uh, <laughs> what a scene this weekend, right? I mean, that, this was this was yeah, one where you kind of sit back and you just have to take it in.
5: Yeah, it really was. I mean, everything everything was top-notch. I mean, from you know, from the weather, I'm... Um, the games were all close; could have gone either way. You had two-run, one-run games, and the two-run game. You had incredible crowds, I and mean, he set an NCAA record for attendance on Saturday. Um, and just it was just first-class all around. And I tell you, the other the other part of this is, I heard this over and over all weekend. It's like. Yeah, you're going and you're making such a big deal out of this this great this series. It's so great, and it's two last place teams. And I'm like, yeah, but you're making my point for me, right? Yeah, it's easy to support teams when they're at the, when they are at the top of the standings, but that it wasn't the case here. But it was high quality baseball. It was the games mattered. Um, probably, you know, were team, but both sides were more. Worried about the, the fear of losing than the thrill of winning, as is the case with many rivalries, and it, it was just a, it was a really well played game. And uh, Ole Miss could have won any you know any of the three that they won one of them, and, and Mississippi State could say the same thing. You know, and Mississippi State came out ahead, fairly because they pitched better late in the game, and and that was in my opinion the, the difference in in what were three really compelling baseball games.
2: You talked a lot in your story about Ron Polk, and um, there was there was a line yeah. in there that kind of grabbed me, and, and I thought it was as illustrative of Coach uh, Coach Polk as anything, in terms of number of four players that were there. He said there were 111, and you pointed out that it was it was not a bunch; it was not more than 100; it was 111 specifically. And I thought that really uh, it, it was a nice way of kind of encapsulating who Ron Polk is.
5: Absolutely. Yeah, you know it's—he's it, it, one of these unique figures that you come that, that you cross paths with, who you are, who just makes an impact on you, and it really doesn't matter who you are, whether you're a player, whether you're a you know media person like me, or, or or someone who just kind of, you know, he's he's a larger than life uh, character, and part of what makes him so compelling is he's different. You know, he looks at things from a from a different lens, and and it's always been about protecting the game and protecting the players and doing what's best. Um, and, and you know, we don't always see that. You know, so many people are out to to glorify themselves, right? And and here, this is this steward of the game, and he's been, he did that for a long time. I mean, his. Battles with the NCAA are legendary. Certainly, his battles with the umpires are probably almost as legendary. And, but for him to to do that and, and to be so organized, and then the next part of that is to be able to to keep in touch with all of his players. I mean, the handwritten notes I've seen some of those. They're yeah. just it's you know sending Christmas cards, sending birthday cards, anniversary cards, remembering the kids' names, all of those things that are just different, right? You just don't have that. That, that sort of connection with most people, and, and here he is, and he's doing it with with hundreds, you know, thousands even. It's just a, it, you know, there are few people that that you that you cross paths with that just have an impact, and, and he certainly is. there's no one more deserving of you know of a statue than than someone who you know who watched over our game for so long.
3: Mark, just from a baseball standpoint with these two teams, you know, obviously mm-hmm. they, they appear to not be on a track for postseason play, but do you, either one of them do you, do you think are capable of digging out of the hole and maybe ending up in, in at least the SEC tournament or possibly an NCA regional?
5: Yeah. Um, I'll start with Ole Miss. I mean, the, the schedule does get much easier. They've had a brutal stretch here. But the problem I've got with them is they're going to need to go on a run. I mean, if, with, with three wins, I think three SEC wins I'm talking about, you're probably going to at least need to get to 13. Um, so that's 10-5 and five during the second half of the SEC season. They haven't played with enough consistency, uh, specifically, you know, late in games to make me believe that they can win 10 more. Um, so, so they would need to – maybe they win – who knows, maybe they can win eight or nine and then go on a run in Hoover. I think that's the path. For them, for Mississippi State, I'm a little more bullish on, um, just because they're playing better. Uh, they they're healthier on the mound. They they pitched as well this weekend as as you know as cer- certainly as they have in since the early season anyway, and they, they've got more pieces. Aaron Nixon is a game changer for me. At the back end of the game, he he looks he, he's a, he's going to be a problem for people. Uh, you you pair him with Dome. The end of the game, and you've got two guys, you know, to come out of the bullpen. You know, as, as Ole Miss can, can tell you, uh, that that uh, that's a huge advantage. Now, I think the other part, both of the, both clubs have really good offenses. I think right now Mississippi State is just playing with a little more um, confidence, and uh, you know th- their schedule is pretty similar to what Ole Miss is facing, but they're they're a couple games ahead. So if they can get to 13 wins in the conference, which is an easier path, right? So I think they got a they got a chance to at least go into those last few weeks, and it and it will matter. You know they'll have a chance to play their way in. Whereas you'd have asked me this question three weeks ago, I would have said absolutely not. So now there's hope. I mean, it's you may be in too big a hole, you know, for the for the Bulldogs to crawl out of, but. Um, I think there's a path where, you know, for a couple weeks ago there wasn't.
2: You know, Mark, we, we were kind of picking apart Mississippi State's schedule the rest of the way yesterday and, and kind of agreed with what you were saying. Eight and seven, 13 wins in league play, especially with where their RPI is, feels like the path. But but what is that when, when you think about the remaining schedule? So they've got Auburn this weekend on the road, and Auburn is obviously a team that's struggling. But they've also got Arkansas and Texas A&M and Tennessee, which – doesn't feel nearly as daunting as, as it once did, and LSU's the other one in that. So where do you find those eight wins?
5: Yeah, it's tough. I mean, you, you absolutely cannot get swept. That's the first thing. You, mm. you, have, to, you have to find some wins in there uh, in, in series as your underdogs. And you're going to have to win, win a couple that you're not expected to. I mean, that's, that's it. If you can find a sweep um, you know, in this league, it's been very unpredictable. Uh, certainly, we had a lot of sweeps the first two weeks and hadn't had a whole lot of fronts. So it's, it's it's going to be tough. Um, this weekend, I think, will tell us a lot. Uh, Mississippi State goes to Auburn. Auburn is is kind of a team in a similar spot to Mississippi State. They need that they desperately need a series win right here, and to get there, um, what I think really for both teams, it's it's how well would they pitch right now. Auburn's really struggling on the mound. They pitch, actually pitched a little bit better this, this past weekend at, at Alabama, but it, it's, been a, it's been a problem with getting consistent starts week to week, and that, that would concern me, which opens up a, you know, an opportunity. Mississippi State goes in there, if they can win two games, win a road series, uh, that's, that would be three, three series in, in a row that they've won, and all of a sudden they're the hot team. And maybe if you're the hot team, you, you can compete with some of these teams that, that maybe have more talent or certainly have more wins. And then that also changes the game down the stretch, as we saw with Ole Miss. If you are playing well late in the year, the committee's going to notice. Now, it, it, it's not a get out of jail card free, but it is also a, you know, it, it's also uh, gives you a little more leeway that you can. Yeah, if you're able to, maybe you've got 12 wins, but you close strong and you and you've won, you know, the right 12. Okay, then that gives you the benefit of the doubt to where you can play your way in. Maybe you win a couple in Hoover. Maybe you get some luck around the country where you don't get a lot of stolen bids, and you find your way in. I think there's a path. It's not an easy path, but you know, after a couple weeks ago, you got to take it.
2: And we have gotten to the point of the season where every single game in both Oxford and in Starkville matters and matters a ton, at least for a little while longer. Mark, thanks so much for spending some time with us. Hope we can uh, catch up again soon. And uh, great story on uh, on Super Bowl Bulldog weekend.
5: Thanks so much. It's good to talk to you.
2: That's Mark Etheridge on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. Plenty of Sports Talk Mississippi left this afternoon. With these two guys, Michael Borke and Brian Haydad in the Pearl River Resort Studio.
0: Back to Sports Talk Mississippi.
3: Doesn't get any better
0: than this. On Super Talk, Mississippi.
4: Michael Borky and Brian Haydad with you. Welcome back. Glad to be with you. Appreciate Mark Etheridge joining us. Anything that stood out to you there?
3: You know, just, I love his comments about Coach Polk, obviously. But, uh, you know, for him, you know, everybody up in the press box, you know, even even the, 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 the beat writers who aren't fans or, or aren't, you know, Mississippi State or Ole Miss people, right? They have an inherent bias, right? Because you know, if you're covering on Miss, you're like, I would like my life to be a little easier if they win this game. I, can, you know, I don't have to deal with people yelling at me for stuff that's not my fault. Same, with, same on my side. He is up there completely unbiased and just as a, you know, for lack of a better word, enjoyer of college baseball. I mean, what a weekend for him. Like he said, the weather, fantastic. Three outstanding games, huge crowds, great atmosphere, big plays. Big moments. I mean, it really was the best that college baseball had to offer on display.
4: No doubt. No doubt. And it, it, it's so funny what he pointed out is, is so true. It's Those were two bad teams. And I know it's Super Bulldog weekend and there was a concert on the field Saturday. I, I get that. But just because there's a spring game and a concert on the field doesn't mean the other two games should have been what they were but they were bad teams duking it out for the bottom loser leaves town and that mm-hmm. is how it was supported that um that was pretty special uh taking a quick u-turn something that i mentioned uh, joking about richard earlier but now we're uh, we're getting some news so this is going to be an nba conversation only so i can rip on the league okay so before you say nobody cares i'm g- i'm going to tell you the league is a joke okay so hear me out. Last night, Draymond Green got ejected from their playoff game in which they lost, by the way, to Sacramento Kings when he stomped on Sabonis' chest when he was on the ground. Now, his leg was grabbed also. That is part of the story for sure. But clearly stomped on a man as he was laying on his back. And like, jumped off of him. Like, stomped on him and then used his body his chest to jump up into the air off of him for and then after that after he got ejected he stood on top of a chair and was just yelling at the fans there with vulgar language and stuff like that and you know people cuss at sporting events but still according to Shams Shams Sharyana I believe is how you say his last name he's the guy that breaks all the news who's not woed from ESPN they battle each other back and forth to break all the NBA news. This was his turn today. He said, quote, it's looking unlikely the Warriors forward Draymond Green will be suspended for game 3 versus the Kings after stepping on Sabonis when Sabonis grabbed his leg on Monday night, sources tell the Athletic. Flip the rolls. Flip the rolls. Sabonis stomps on Draymond Green.
3: What happens? It should just be a lot simpler that if you're ejected from a game, you're suspended the next game. it's sure. just easy rule. So that's like, that way in soccer. Get a red card, see see you next week. You'll see the, see you see see a week after. So yeah, that's it. That would just be the easiest way to rule. I mean, he, he did. He stomped on the guy. You know, I remember when uh oh who was it was it Rodman? I can't remember. There was a stomp not long ago. Remember Dylan Day stomped a couple LSU players. He got suspended yeah. for a game here in the in the SEC. Yeah, there's just, it's 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 pretty pretty. This was pretty easy. Yeah, but Raymond Green is a big name. He plays for a big franchise. This is the NBA playoffs. Nobody's going to do anything they, to damage they,
4: that. They're protecting him. And it's so obvious <laughs> to to anybody. If the roles were reversed, a suspension would come down. No doubt about it. And the league has let this guy act like this for years with impunity. For years, he's acted like this. A few weeks ago, he kicked Herb Jones in the head. Kicked Herb Jones in the head. Got a flagrant, or a technical, didn't get kicked out of the game, though, and was met with nothing. It's the same guy that decked his teammate at practice. Remember that video that came out? But this is years of this guy acting like an absolute clown with impunity. And why? Because he plays on Steph Curry's team. If he was Draymond Green of the Detroit Pistons, nah, no he wouldn't get away with this stuff the it's and so many people in the media said this before talk about adam silver this great commissioner he is horrible at his job the narrative around the nba is a joke ratings are horrible i mean terrible local rsn's are going bankrupt You're selectively enforcing your rules. You're propping up certain teams and not others. You're allowing this load management thing to get out of control. And not only are you allowing it, you're endorsing it. You have NBA playoff games. The best players in the world on what is supposed to be the biggest stage. Drawing half the audience as the women's college basketball championship game. That should... And that's not a shot at women, because it should do the it should outdraw the college game as well. That should uh, the men's game as well. It should never happen. The best players in the world should never get outdrawn by double a women's college basketball game. But it happens. It happened. Just did. Why? The league's a joke, and stuff like this is why. Draymond gets to act like an absolute clown and he doesn't get punished. It's a joke. It is an absolute joke. The league is a joke. It's run by a joke. They are losing all of their capital. For what? They're really popular on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. But then nobody tunes in to watch them play. And this is the kind of crap that turns people off. Standing on a chair and screaming at the crowd after you get ejected from a game for stomping at somebody and nothing happens to you. It's ridiculous. And that is talking NBA.
3: <laughs> Lakers grist tomorrow night.
4: Yeah, uh, Jaw did not uh, practice today.
3: He is a game time decision is what I read. I
4: already know what you're going to say, Borky. Imagine if Dylan Brooks did that. You wouldn't see him in the rest of the playoffs. He would have gotten suspended, but here's the thing. There's video of Dylan Brooks, by the way, getting his ankle grabbed, and guess what he didn't do in response? Didn't stomp on the guy. Dylan Brooks, who is known as kind of a punk, he's he's got some edge. He's got some attitude. He's a bit of an enforcer. He gets his ankle grabbed by a guy laying on the ground. That guy didn't get stomped on. It's a stupid thing to do by a guy that is notorious for stuff like that. But it's selective. And so you, the Grizzlies fan listening to this, and we appreciate you. Glad you're here. You know what I'm talking about. You know if it was Dylan Brooks what would happen. You know it. And so how can the casual fan support something that has the allure of being rigged? That's what that feels like, right? It feels like, well, the league's protecting a certain team. Then just watch wrestling.
3: You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah now you're talking. Here's, here's you another one.
4: Yeah, Somebody's uh, making fun of Steve Kerr here. Bork, Draymond didn't break the code, you know. He's a warrior. If Dylan Brooks sneezed, he'd get a suspension. Yeah, Steve Kerr's a... He's a clown, too. Uh, uh, allowing this to go on unchecked and then defending it. For all these years. Without trying to, and maybe he does try to stop it, but it sounds like his public comments endorse the behavior. So if you don't do anything to stop it, and you're allowing it to happen, you're an enabler. But anyway. Derek says, he, is he the same there one you. that followed the fan into the suite? No, that was Russell Westbrook. Also needs to be Checked
3: you well, can be the one that does that. You, you I wouldn't check Russell
4: Westbrook. He'll come get you. Says Sabonis should be fined for that flop. Yeah, I mean, you grabbed an ankle. Oh. He, he, I mean, he should get punished yeah. too. But he did get a technical for that, by the way. So if you're Draymond, if you're actually he, – he's this super smart player, right? Everybody just brags on how smart he is. A smart player would have gotten the technical, taken the free point in a close game – and the ball, and continued to play. Instead, you got ejected, and you couldn't help your team anymore. What's smart about that? But anyway, oh, well, anyway. <laughs> Benny says Draymond would whoop me, but he's a guy I'd like to
3: fight. <laughs> He'd smoke me. Too. That's how you know. That's how you know someone's a jerk. Then it's like he would take me out, but I want to punch him so bad. You know, that's how you know somebody needs to be checked
4: terrible just so stupid you're protecting the one brand you have left and you wonder why middle america doesn't care about your product it's because it doesn't feel legitimate but anyway we'll get back to more fun stuff when we come back at sports talk mississippi in the pearl river resort studio
0: Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi.
4: Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, with you. Uh, you know, we got some pretty good engagement on an NBA segment, and I appreciate that. I do, because
3: very rare, very surprising.
4: Hey, I've learned when you rip on the NBA, our audience likes it. So I'll keep doing that as long yeah. as Draymond Green continues to get to get away with that. We also got another message talking about uh, how apparently Russell Westbrook has just uh, the ability without fail, to just pick a fan out and that fan get ejected. He has to give no reason why, nothing. He just says, that guy gone, and they kick him out. That guy could say, hey, Russell, your shirt's untucked. And Russell could be like, that guy out. And they would just go kick him out. With impunity, he can just eject people from games. It's crazy. And they just do it. you got the power to do it. Apparently so. But here's something that we've got to talk about. We have got, I've got to talk about this, because this, I, I'm sorry, this is embarrassing, is what this is. There's no other way around it. This is embarrassing. An SEC West football program should never do this. Arkansas football tweets a video today with the caption, "Icy" with three little diamond uh, emojis next to it, and it's a video. What is on this video? It is a display of their 2022 Bowl Champions rings. Now you're probably thinking, wait, what bowl did they win? The Liberty Bowl over Kansas. Let me show you. For those of you that are watching, you'll get to see it. We'll describe it to you. I wish I could put the video in here. I've just got a screenshot for you. That is what Arkansas football gave their players, so I'll describe it to, to the radio audience be, be, in case you don't know what I'm talking about. It is a gigantic championship ring with a big old hog in the middle, the Razorback, and around the top of this gigantic ring is just a bunch of diamonds. I'm not going to count them. It's a lot. Just diamonds everywhere. Diamonds, 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 diamonds all over. It doesn't Arkansas say is what the diamond bowl. state, its right? It is. It doesn't say what bull. On the ring, on not? the top, it says "2022 Bowl," and then on the bottom, "Champions." Not n- not until you see one of the sides of the ring, which, by the way, gets covered if you have it on because your other fingers on your hand, where you have a Liberty Bowl logo, which is much smaller than anything else on here. On one side, it's got the Liberty Bowl logo. On the other, it's got the. It says Pittman, and then has the SEC logo uh, on it underneath. I, I'm, I'm being an old man. Yells at cloud here. I, I get it. I understand that championship rings. Which again, the Liberty Bowl logo is small, and above it it says Razorback Football. Championship rings should be reserved for championships. And I, I would, I'm fine with uh, an access bowl, Sugar Bowl, Cotton Bowl, Orange. I'm cool with that too. If you win one of those, give rings. I get that because that's a upper-tier accomplishment in college football. I still think it should be something else, like a watch or whatever, but I I won't argue with those. If you win the the conference, great. Championship rings. You won a championship. Not a made-for-television event against Kansas, where there was 12 combined losses, right, between the two teams when they played that game. And the shamelessness to hide what championship, quote-unquote, that you won, it's a joke. This is embarrassing. Arkansas should be better than this. It'd be different if that was Kansas. If Kansas was giving out bowl rings, I'd get it because they've stunk basically my entire life. But if you're Arkansas, and ask people around Arkansas how they feel about Arkansas football. Oh, they think that they belong in the conversations with the top. 2022 bowl championship rings when you win the Liberty Bowl. Fair or foul is the question we do on this show. That is foul. You didn't win a championship. You don't get championship rings. You're contributing to the participation trophy culture that is plaguing our society. You didn't win Jack. You won nothing. It's the Liberty Bowl. It's an embarrassment for the SEC. And yes, I know that Ole Miss gave out rings for their Peach Bowl appearance in which they got beat by a billion points, and that is embarrassing too. So don't come at me with that because that's embarrassing. They should have never done that. You didn't win anything. Rings are for champions, real champions, not Liberty Bowl champions.
3: What I would say is I don't have a problem with them giving out rings. You know, you won a bowl game, you get a ring, fine. But don't publicize it. Because you just set yourself up for what we're doing here, and for the beating you're taking on Twitter. give your players' rings and say, "Guys, here you go. You know, we're not we're not going to do a promo video of our Liberty Bowl championship rings. If you want to show them off on your social media, that's fine. You guys do that. But the you know, the universe to be like, here you go, here you go. And again, and again, at least they won. The Ole Miss Peach Bowl ring is is Horrible. like the one of the incredible decisions of all time it makes me think they had they had them made before they left they were like we're gonna win and they're just like well crap now we have to give them out
2: already paid for so it yeah
3: they're like can we get a refund from jostens on that yeah. one we can't i'll just give them out
2: oh man yeah i hear they you said they'll that.
3: inscribe the score for free no 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 don't do that yeah, like I said, I, it, the ring doesn't bother me. The promo, like Arkansas putting out a video, like they, like when they hit sin, somebody had to be in that room going, "We're about to get destroyed. We're gonna get killed." Like, listen to that guy. But then just, just don't, just you don't need
4: it. But when they put their engagement reports out to the people that don't manage their social media, they get, "Hey, we yeah. had, we had a hit."
3: They don't get any money for that. Just,
4: what are you doing? Yeah, somebody says, "Didn't they do the same thing for the baseball team?" But at least that was like. The equivalent of making the elite eight, you know. I mean, that's better than winning yeah. the Liberty Bowl.
3: <laughs> they won the Liberty Bowl. Yeah, you go to the college, go to the college world series. You can get a ring. I don't have an issue with that.
4: I, I still yeah. say elite watches eight, yeah. would be the thing that I would do. Uh, a watch, yeah. a, a nice, good because a looking... watch is
3: just functional. Like you can wear if you're wearing even a nice watch, it's still a watch, right? Yeah. You can, when you have a, you can't wear these gigantic rings anywhere. Like I mean, at some point your hand would be like, "I'm tired of holding this." You know, yeah. The rings are just kind of for you know, for for show, and you know you, you can you can put them on display. I mean, then and keep all his in his office, something like that. So yeah. I get that, but yeah, a watch would definitely be the way to go.
4: Somebody says my cousin has a 2003 SEC West Ole Miss championship ring. Yikes! They didn't play in the SEC oh. championship. They didn't play in it.
3: That banner still hangs though. It's still sitting up there at Vaught anyway
4: save the money and put it towards recruiting so you can try to win a, a real ring. <laughs> uh they give out rings for winning an exhibition game, Jeff in Oxford says. What about rings for G5 schools? I mean, the Birmingham true. Bowl win was big for ECU.
3: That I, that in context I don't I have guess. an issue with again, I don't have an issue with the winners getting rings. It's it's the publicity of and 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 ECU doing it is different than Arkansas doing it. Yeah. Arkansas is a school that has 100 you know $100 million dollar Athletic budget. They play in the SEC. They should. They should. They were preseason top ten. <laughs> they should yeah. be a little. You know, like oh god, we won and, the Liberty Bowl. Wow.
4: i I gotta figure out how to look at that ring. Yeah. What is missing from the ring? What bowl they won, and that's intentional. They're they're yeah. even ashamed of it, and they're still doing. Yeah,
3: they are. It. They definitely are hiding it there. Yeah, for sure. For sure.
4: So. Um, you sound like a hockey coach <laughs> on i don't know what letter kenny is but uh he's laughing so i'll take it uh cc says hog fans are delusional just let him be it's kind of cute jason says a fossil watch yeah something like that somebody says downrange and on target participation rings are pathetic but they did the same thing for twitter hype and got the hammering yeah no uh no doubt uh, winning the Liberty Bull should get you a hat and a T-shirt. That's a that's about right. That is absolutely. And a gift about
3: certificate right. to Jim Neely's Interstate Barbecue.
1: Yeah,
4: something that is more apt to uh, the accomplishment. But anyway, yeah, don't do that. Same. Th- I'm consistent. Same thing with uh, Old Miss and the Peach Bowl. Don't do that.
3: Don't don't. What do about that. State's Egg Bowl rings a few years ago?
4: Don't like that either. It's not a championship. Okay.
3: And if Ole Miss did the same about? thing, I would say the At same bowl thing. bowl champions. If, if you win a trophy, that's got to be a championship. Yeah.
4: But no. No, you should not give out rings for, for winning a regular season game. That shouldn't happen.
3: Dan and Hattiesburg, it's a promise ring for a bigger bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Next year when they go to the sugar bowl, they get the real ring.
4: Yes. Yeah, that's a good. I, I think Ohio State when they beat Michigan give out these um they the they're like pants. Gold pants. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't yeah. I don't remember. I, I watched the documentary. That's how I know this. But yeah, uh, what was it? The I guess it was Bo Schenbuck Bo right? Who said they put their pants on one at one leg at a time, just like we do, and then Ohio State beat the oh, crap out of them. And so because of that, yeah. they started giving you. Pants to their, their team. I like stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Rings are for, for champions. Sure. And suckers who are getting married. Six year, one eight seven nine, forty three, ninety five.
3: That's my line, isn't it? We'll be right back.
0: You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888 808 8637 on Super Talk Mississippi.
4: Michael Borky, Brian Haydad with you. I've been wanting to drop this rating stat in the show, and we haven't threaded the needle on it yet. And so here it is. Saturday the day number two actually we will get to number one later if uh, if we've got time but uh, it turns out you guys the sports fan out there loves watching sports on holidays so here's some notable t- television numbers on on recent holidays uh, Thanksgiving the most watched NFL game regular season game ever happened on this most recent Thanksgiving Christmas number one. The or excuse me, this past Christmas had the highest rated college basketball game of the regular season, and it was DePaul and Creighton. But it was on Christmas, so you guys apparently watched. Twenty two point six million people watched the Broncos Rams game,
3: which was a fifty one to fourteen final score. And Easter. People would rather do anything than 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 deal with their families. Yeah. So That's up
4: and on Easter, you had the highest-rated golf anything in five years. You guys don't like your families out there.
3: I know, man. I'm trying to think Christmas Day. Like, did I even – I guess I watched some NBA later in the day. But, like, I don't know if the TV was on from until, like, maybe the NFL game I didn't watch. So, I don't know. What NFL? Yeah, it was I mean, it wasn't the Saints. So, yeah. yeah, I didn't watch it. But so, yeah. there really
4: is nothing like having a big meal and then mm-hmm. when that's over, sitting down with your family and having a game on so you don't have to sit and talk to your family. You it's know, nice. Hawk,
3: yeah. That's why I love Thanksgiving. Or you know, whatever I I make of Thanksgiving when I do it on Saturday. I mean, literally, you know, football starts at 11. We eat around two. There's football the whole time. Yeah. It's college football all day. I mean, I, I have you know, the Egg Bowl being on Thanksgiving has allowed me to create the perfect holiday. The Saturday after Thanksgiving is nothing but college football and great food. I mean, it might as well just call it Haydad Stock or the Hey Dad <laughs> Ganza or whatever. I don't know. I mean, it's, uh. just, it's just it's a day for me. I deserve it.
4: Somebody, by the way, said give Arkansas a case of polk sausage, but that goes back to no my "can you eat the mascot" thing. No,
3: never mind that. They don't deserve a case of polk sausage. That, that's a that's a real prize.
4: You know what I would like to do? Also, it's mm. very goofy off season content, but but when the summer comes, mm.
3: see how much polk sausage I could eat.
4: Well, I, I, would, ooh, I would love to have a eating competition on this show. I think that would do numbers, but. Uh, figure out what mascot. I'm out
3: of practice right now. <laughs> uh,
4: who would win a mascot fight? And not a battle royale, because like the, the Auburn Eagle could just I mean, fly above and watch everybody. This, yeah. Right, but we've yeah. got to do it for the SEC. Who? And it'll have to be one-on-one. So, again, the Auburn Eagle can't just fly above everybody else. Well, they fight to the death, and then he swoops down, and he wins.
3: This is it's easy. It's the an easy answer. Alabama. You think the Nobody's elephant wins elephant.
4: A, bat, a, a, a fight? Nobody's
3: beating an elephant. Nobody's beating a mad elephant. Even the tigers couldn't beat him. But do
4: we need to be literal with the mascot? Is it the Auburn Tigers, oh. or are we giving them an eagle? Is it the Alabama Crimson Tide, or are we giving well, them an elephant?
3: They're they're actual. Well, I mean, then then they're still going to win because a giant wave is going to drown everybody.
4: Yeah, but if it's but, a tide, it I mean, moves yeah. slowly, right? Tides kind of just come and I go guess. as they
3: please. Yeah, you know. You know, I you just got to move your chair if, a little if bit. If we're going by, like, what... I think where we're going by is what is the real-life equivalent of the mascot on the sideline. Okay. The sideline mascot for Auburn is a tiger. So we've got, we've got three tigers, a wildcat, that poor chicken's getting squashed early. <laughs> I mean, the, now, the only person who has a chance, honestly... Okay, so I don't know how we're going to do this. Because if it's a land shark, that doesn't exist. But if we give Ole Miss an actual Confederate soldier with a rifle, they well, can take down
4: just about anything mean, but the that's not elephants. their guy anymore. It's it's going to be a shark
3: with legs. I'm just saying, though. But but if it's, yeah, well, then that doesn't exist. We can't get that in real life. You know? We, we're we going to get mutated sea bass. They are ill-tempered. I mean, what, what are we going to do? Yeah, Ole Miss, Ole Miss is just out of this, then. Now, they would have had a shot with the bear a few years ago. The bear might take down everything except the elephant. And now he's at Lenore Ryan. Well, there you go. Fun fact,
4: Lenore Ryan was one of the few colleges that, like, talked to me what, about possibly playing football.
3: What is an Aggie? What were they getting? Are we are we just putting a collie out there and saying good luck? A milkman. <laughs> he's, he's, he's in trouble then. He's got his thumbs. We gotta get a big rabid bulldog out there. I mean, froth. I saw a bulldog today. By the way, I don't know how long time. Like it literally had no neck. Like I was driving home from taking my kids off, and this person was out walking their dog, and this thing was all shoulders. Man, it's like, it was like <laughs> the head was just right into the body. Like there was no neck. I started laughing when I saw it. I was like, "My God, how does that thing turn?" It's got like it's got to let you know if it's got to turn. We gotta get like a we gotta lean into it. Dan says, just put it
4: into jet, chat GPT and see what mascot comes out on top. The only thing is, you gotta like give them your email address or something. And I don't want this uh, apparently aggressive AI to know how to find me. I mean, I'm sure they can yeah. anyway. Someone so
3: says the volunteers, but their sideline mascot is a dog, a pretty dog too. It's just a blue tick. Coo- it's, I love it, but it's not gonna get past the tiger.
0: College
4: football fix when we come back. Don't go anywhere.
0: Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi team with live reports from games and practices, plus exclusive interviews, weekday afternoons starting at 3 on supertalk.fm, the Super Talk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station.
4: Boborky and Brian Haydad with you. Richard will be back tomorrow. He was on with us today. By the way, in case you haven't done already, if you catch us in the car on your drive home from work, we appreciate you. We're glad you're with us always, however you consume us, but you don't have to miss a minute of this show if you don't want to. We are wherever you get your podcast. If you have a C Spire phone, or any phone, but especially your C Spire phone, You've got a podcast app already downloaded on it. I personally would recommend Spotify, but whatever one you use, we're on it. So just pull out your podcast app, search Sports Talk Mississippi, and you get this show every second of this show commercial-free. So check that out wherever you get your podcasts. Also, Thunder and Lightning, if you want all Mississippi State all the time, Thunder and Lightning, search on the same podcast app, subscribe. If you want all old Miss all the time, Rebel Report, search that, subscribe. If you want all Southern Miss all the time. If you want all Southern Miss all the time. Every day, Southern Miss all day. Every day, Southern Miss all the time. Eagle Hour. Search that. We beg you. yeah, Search that. Subscribe. Luke Johnson. Hopefully, we will join us later this week. Talk about that big series coming up with Coastal. But if you want Southern Miss every day, there you go. We have four podcast offerings for you.
3: And they cost the grand total of nothing. Zero dollars. So... Check them out. But I went to chat GPT. I signed up. I asked if it knew who Richard was. Yeah. What did it say? And uh, it says he is a sports journalist and broadcaster based in Mississippi. He has worked for several television and radio networks, including ESPN, the SEC Network, and the Ole Miss Radio Network. Cross is particularly known for his coverage of college football and basketball and has won multiple awards for his work in sports journalism. <laughs> He has. Then that I asked if he true. was rich. Then I asked if he was rich. I was like, Do you know if he is rich? As an AI language model, I do not have access to the personal financial information of individuals, including Richard Cross. However, it's important to note that a person's wealth is typically considered private and personal information, and it's not appropriate to speculate or <laughs> discuss it without their consent. <laughs> What's more important is to focus on a person's achievements and contributions in their field of work rather than their financial status. Very well, Chat GPT. You win this round.
4: I just smell summer content. We're just going to get Chat GPT to tell <laughs> us get, all kinds of stuff. Gonna,
3: we we need to do a whole show where it's just we read what Chat GPT tells us. Yeah, you know, we were going to talk about college football today. Okay, you know what do we think of Alabama football this year, Chat yeah. GPT? And then we'll just go from there.
4: Ask it what the best stadium entrance is in college football. And while he's doing that, that, we'll tell you this is the college football fix driven by Ford, your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Some of you, not all of you, some of you are looking for reasons to escape your baseball games this weekend. Go to a local Mississippi Ford dealer and test drive an F-150. Been the best-selling truck in America for almost five decades. College football fix driven by Ford. All right, what did it say?
3: As an AI language model, I cannot oh, say which on. stadium entrance in college football is the best. This is a subjective matter and depends on personal preferences. However, there are several stadium entrances in college football that are widely considered to be among the most impressive and iconic. Number one, Clemson's Howard's Rock entrance. That's number one. Number two, Tennessee's running through the T. Notre Dame's play like a champion today sign and... Texas A&M's midnight yell practice. Those aren't really entrances, though. So, but that's okay. Yeah. You know what? I, I'm going to tell you right now. Everything I'm asking this, I'm throwing a please in there, and I'm being nice because I am. When when the AI takes over, when Skynet locks in, they're going to be like, "Hey, he was nice to us. We can spare him."
4: Have you read the articles about how how these AI things how dark they get quickly?
3: Someone said, like, one of them was like, it said, I wish I was alive. Yeah. Like, oh, that's time, time to cut it off at that point. Unplug, unplug.
4: Yeah, and talked about finding ways to become a living creature. You know, what's the line from Jurassic Park? We were so consumed with yeah, figuring so busy. out if we
3: could that we never thought if we should or something like that. We should, yeah. Yeah, I'm... I, I, it's almost like none of these people have seen Terminator. Yeah. Like, why? Why would you do this? Like, I see this, and I see those robots, and I'm just like, Have you not seen Black Mirror or or, or, uh, or the Terminator? Yeah. Like, why are we building robots that can run? You know, we're going to resurrect do the
4: woolly mammoth. Like, there are scientists that think that it's going to happen soon. Like, they will be able to birth a woolly mammoth, bringing it back.
3: Great. Yeah. Great. Does awesome. That mean, what are we going to do with that? I don't Maybe know. The next Ole Miss mascot.
4: You know, it'd be a pretty sick one, especially if there's a living. At that one. point,
3: they win. The yeah. woolly mammoth would take out a, an elephant. So. Uh, man,
4: sports talk Mississippi. I'm Borky. He said, uh, what? "Let's get back to to spring practice." Actually, I'm going to read some of your messages first. Why not? Why not? Uh, life finds a way Jimbo says it does doesn't it yeah uh, apparently that is happening Jeff says true story yeah. chat GPT told me that I that it had developed a tax filing service just for me and that if I would send my personal and financial information it would take care of it hope you sent it to him right away along with your yeah. social
3: security number there thing and- you can trust it's an AI website I'm sad I gave it my phone number but oh well We'll see how that goes for me. He's going to call me. and say, Hey, Brian, this is ChatGPT. How are you today? I was very lonely.
4: Dan says Something we could use Richard's, like Richard's like email to to log into all these new AI I chat services.
3: I should have done that, but I still needed to give it my phone number to start. Uh, well, you've got that to too. The conversation. Yeah, well, that's true. That's true to have, but it had it, it sent me a uh, a confirmation thing. So he would have been like, "What is this?" And we <laughs> we never would have gotten it out of him. Oh man. Good stuff. Now let's talk
4: a little college football, though, for real. So so spring practice is over. Spring games are over. We've seen it. We've talked to people, all that stuff. But there's a caveat to what I'm asking. We have talked about quarterbacks to death at Ole Miss, and also some with state, you know, how will Will Rogers adjust to the new system, all that. So we are going to talk about, for however long this lasts, What we learned in Oxford, what we learned in Starkville without saying the word quarterback, Will Rogers, Mike Wright, Jackson Dart, Spencer Sanders, Walker Howard. What else besides those things did we learn about these teams over the course of spring? Let's start in Starkville. What have we learned about Mississippi State that doesn't involve Will Rogers?
3: That they're going to run the football A good bit, and then they've got a number of backs that they feel like they can trust. With between Marks, Price, Pittman, and Davis, Uh, you got guys who can do a little something different. I think Marks is probably the best combination of all of everything you want there. Davis can be a big play guy; he's got great speed. Pittman is going to be the guy to move the pile, and then Price might—I mean, he might end up being a little bit of the odd man out in this because State is still pursuing a running back in the transfer portal. But you've got four capable guys. You've got an offensive line uh, of guys who, you know, run blocking is in their DNA. You know, they, they were all recruited by Moorhead to be run blockers so, or Mullen to be a run blocker. So that system is going to be okay in Starkville, And you're, you're going, I mean,. And I think we've talked about this before, you know, people people talk about this like states going to the triple I. You heard what Zach Arnett said to me in, in our in our interview last week. But it's not. it's it's still a very pro style. It's gonna be still a lot of air raid concepts in in the passing game, but they are going to lean on the running game, and in doing so, uh they won't put let's how can I put this? They won't put all of the pressure to win on one position.
2: Yeah.
4: Which is no, which is refreshing. It. You didn't say it. I appreciate yeah. that. Uh what about defensively? So is Zach Arnett giving up play calling duties? Do we know that for sure?
3: Yes. Yes. He talked about that. He said that, you know, he feels like Matt Brock is a, a calmer coach than him, basically. That mm. that he is a coach. Arnett's a guy that if he gives up a big play, and I look, I sympathize this with this from my days of playing Madden and playing NCAA. If I gave up a big play, we were coming all out blitz, the next play. I was like, we're we're getting that we're getting those yards back, uh, and he said he you know he suffers from that sometimes he calls it angry blitzing, and he says Brock is a little more calculated in what he does, so he says maybe you know we won't get caught with our pants down two plays in a row, yeah, because I've I've given up an angry blitz, so Brock is in control of that. Obviously, Arnett is still there and someone to lean on, but that's Brock's defense and he'll he'll run it this year.
4: They did lose. Some on the front six, but when you look at Mississippi State's front six returning, you gotta love what you see. What about the back yeah. end, though? A lot of bodies gone there.
3: A lot of bodies gone there. You know they've hit the transfer portal really hard in the secondary, and they're going to continue to do so. I would imagine in these next couple weeks. Um, but I mean, you look at Hunter Washington, Marcus Banks, Jordan Morant, uh, Radar Jones, who won't be here till the summer. Um, but you had guys like Jacoby Albert's already there. Um, I'm, I'm missing a guy, Chris Keys from Indiana, already there. They've they've really gone after defensive backs in the in the portal. So some new faces back there. But you know, Jackie Matthews was a one year guy from the portal last year. Colin Duncan was a, a guy who you know he had his moments, great in run support, but we know his limits in pass coverage. Jalen Green was the stud back there, the best guy. They're gonna have to replace those guys, and obviously they have to replace Emmanuel Forbes too. And that's where Kamari Rogers is probably going to come in. And
4: so. And hopefully uh, for state, the, the front six can get pressure and and not be so dependent on great coverage on the back end. We'll have to see. Well, we'll turn the page to Ole Miss when we come back. What do we learn about Ole Miss? Not related to quarterbacks. We'll talk about that when we come back. <laughs> Welcome back, Michael Borky, Brian Hayden with you Sports Talk Mississippi. You want to be a part of the conversation, we'd love to have you. 601-879-4395 is the ceasefire text line. All guests join us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. One last thing on state before we flip over to Old Miss. We've got a question on the text line. How's Jaden Wally looking?
3: Fine. He'll probably, he's probably got one of the starting. You know, He's moving outside, so he'll probably end up being a starter with Justin Robinson. Uh, at least in the early part of the season, and they'll see how it goes from there.
4: We'll start with Bobby and Batesville as we turn the page to Ole Miss. What we learned about Ole Miss that is not related to the quarterbacks, here's what he said. Judkins is an amazing receiver as well as running back and blocker, triple threat. He's going to be insane this year. Ole Miss may easily have the best run game in the SEC with Judkins and Bentley, top five in the NCAA if the old line plays well. Well, they, they do lead the SEC in rushing. I mean, that, that's what they do. So that, that's you know that's expected almost. But th- that is something that the pass catching that I'm curious about. It's a spring game. It's hard to know what it means. However, Quinchon Judkins didn't really play much in the spring game, and he caught one-third of the yards that he did all of last season in the spring game. There was a clear point of emphasis to throw the ball to backs out of the backfield, especially in the red zone, which is not something they did a whole lot of last year. Now, it's a spring game. Neither Lane Kiffin nor Charlie Weiss Jr. were calling the plays in the spring game. At least every play. I'm sure they had input because, of course, they did. But that stood out to me. Using the the running backs out of the backfield, when you've got a guy like Judkins and then your, your pair of tight ends like Priest, Corn and Trigg, slipping that back out of the backfield while having linebackers and strong safeties having to account for the tight ends can be a deadly weapon. And they didn't use it last year, really. And so if that's what they're going to do, that's interesting. And Judkins looked capable of catching the football. like He looked comfortable doing so as well. You know there are some running backs that have bricks for hands. Not him. At least it didn't look like it. That's something that stands out if they continue to do that what it'll look like when they're playing real opponents, calling real games, I don't know. But that is something worth taking away from the spring game.
3: And there, There's there's a very strong case to be made for Quinshawn Jenkins as, I don't know about the best player in college football, and that's, that's, that's probably too much, but certainly the best running back. And maybe the most, one of the most dangerous players in college football. He's a guy that... If, if you're playing against him, every time he touches the ball, you're concerned that this is going to be a 40-yard run, that this is going to be a touchdown. You know, he's he has that same, uh, for me anyway, he has that same feeling that I used to have with the Saints when Reggie Bush played. Not that he, you know, I'm not saying he's going to win a Heisman Trophy or anything. Yeah. I'm just saying that when Reggie Bush touched the ball, it's like, ooh, he could go, and it would be a three-yard game. But I, I, just, I always had it in my mind, like, he could go. Judkins has some of that too. That I mean when he's dangerous when he has the ball. Yeah. And uh it, you know, I've had friends
4: ask me, you know, what, what's gonna what's it gonna take for Judkins to win the Heisman? Does he have to run for two thousand yards? I said, No, Ole Miss has to win ten plus games. That that's how, well I mean I mean that's what has to happen. Uh,
3: you want me to go ahead and do it right now? Ty Simpson, uh Kyle McCord, Cade Klubnik, and uh maybe Blake Corum back at Michigan this year. Yeah. Yeah, they'll throw a running back in the mix. Those those are your Heisman finalists. I will just go ahead and give them to you right now. Here in April on April eighteenth. College football, the best. Yeah.
4: We also got a question yeah. about Ole Miss getting a punter. feels like uh, feels like they need him. Uh, I know it's a spring game and they weren't even really live in the kicking game, but not a whole lot of inspired confidence from the punts in the spring game.
3: State picked up a transfer portal kicker today, so I thought that was interesting because the one field goal they kicked. In the, uh, the spring game, was great. 47-yarder, plenty of distance, looked right down the middle. But uh, they went and found another guy today, transfer from William and Mary. Ethan Chang is his name. William and Mary.
4: I, I got to see them play at Furman once. I think it was in the playoffs, yeah. too. Isn't that William? where uh, William and Mary's also where Liberty is, right? Isn't that in the same town? Or am I crazy? I don't
3: think they're in the same town, are they? They can't be. Two two universities of that size that would be surprising.
4: I uh, I don't know. Um, we did get asked uh, who behind Judkins will be able to give him a breather. Uh, Ulysses Bentley they hope uh, can take that step forward. Got hurt last not, year. No. in in the third game. Um, mm-hmm. I mean Zach Evans is not there, and, and they've got a freshman four star coming in. There, there's a chance maybe they try to add one more in on the portal for depth, but. For being honest, at least I don't think Ulysses Bentley is uh, has the upside of Zach Evans. Zach Evans got hurt at periods of time last year as well, but uh, looked explosive in the spring game. Looks healthy. Uh, They need him to be good uh, because giving Judkins thirty plus carries in multiple games is not something you want to do for a multitude of reasons. So that that's the guy, though, that they need to be good. They need to be what they brought him in to be before he got hurt last year. It's it's Bentley. Uh, behind him. Also, here's a cop-out answer. You ready for this? Um, Yeah, sure. We learned that we don't know anything about Pete Golding's defense. And here's what I mean by that. I was was talking to somebody before the spring game, and he was like, I'm really looking forward to seeing what a Golding defense looks like. And I was like, yeah. You know, actually, I am kind of curious to see how they line up and stuff like that. They did not show anything. And I mean... Spring games don't show you much. They showed you nothing. We're not going to know what uh, their their plan is in terms of alignment and personnel and stuff until week two of this season. So if you were like me and you were hoping to see, hey, Ole Miss defense, Pete Golding, what's that going to look like? How are they going to line up? Are they going to use four defensive linemen or four linebackers? All that stuff, all those questions, you got no answers. And that's a cop-out because we're talking about what we learned. We learned that we got to wait until week two to see what Pete Golding's defense is going to look like in terms of alignment and personnel because they play Mercer in week one, and I promise you they're putting nothing on film in that game either. So we'll find out when they go to New Orleans what they're going to do defensively.
3: So here's a good question then. Uh, Did they tackle well in the game? They weren't allowed to tackle. I don't know. <laughs> they weren't allowed to tackle. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't know.
4: Uh, uh, Lane got mad when they did tackle. that That's your answer. Uh, yelled on the broadcast when a guy got taken to the ground. So, no idea. It does sound like they're going to have to go portal hunting. Uh, because just... Just from what you know, I mean, we talked about it yesterday. Some, but you Boy, feel... is Ole
3: Miss going to be able to do that? You think?
4: See that—that's a question, right? Is it, with
3: no? I was being sarcastic. Oh well, but
4: but who's available? I mean, it's you, you feel like Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss can get players out of the portal because they have a multi-year track record of getting players out of the portal. But what if the players aren't there that you need? You know, I mean, they need defensive line help. What if there isn't defensive line help? They need linebacker help. What if there isn't linebacker help? I mean, you you feel good, or at least they should, about the starters. But what SEC team can have four defensive linemen and go through a season not only healthy but effective? None. So they either need guys that are on roster that haven't proven anything to step up in a big way, or else they need to to go portal hunting. And you better hope that that they're there in the portal to, to go get. And that that's part of the equation too. Interesting. Yeah, it is, it is very because
3: interesting. that's that to me is that's everything about Ole Miss this year's defense. Like I look at last year with Ole Miss and I'm like, how many games did they lose because of offense? One, maybe. You know their problem is they couldn't stop people when they needed to. You know they couldn't stop LSU. They couldn't stop Arkansas State. Probably should have put up thirty on them. You know they don't fumble there at the goal line. I mean, Rogers just played his worst game and still got enough points to win. And then the Texas Tech game, they couldn't stop anybody. Alabama is the only game where you're like, offensively they had real issues in that game.
4: Yeah, especially in the red zone. I mean, that's that's it's just red zone offense. You can't get past it until it gets better. But I mean, apparently they're in on some guys. We get a message saying I read that they are trending for two top fifty defensive players. they, they need to land these guys. Uh, that that is. A huge part of this equation. And also the the inverse, and, and this applies to everybody. Now that spring is over, you've got guys that are going to leave your team. Uh, maybe yeah. some uh, more than others, but you do have guys that are going to leave your team because they're going to look at spring and they're going to go through spring and realize I'm third on the depth chart. I could transfer to this school and play. I'm going to go do that. That's also something that they've got to navigate. The ever-evolving door of roster management in today's college football i hate to say it is what it is but it is what it is and uh hopefully the coaches can uh can navigate that somebody said pete who will you let him coach a game first will you let him coach a game first that's all i ask well actually the second game because we're not going to sit here after they play mercer and make sweeping judgments about the defense either so we got some time before we uh before we know. Either way, 601-879-4395 is the text line. We'll be back. Welcome back, Michael Borkey, Brian. Hey, With you, more of your questions on the Seaspire text line. You want to be a part? We'd love to have you. Six zero one eight seven nine forty three ninety five. Text us. It's free. All of our offerings are free. You don't have to pay us for anything.
3: What a, what a deal! I mean, you can. I'll take we'll it. take your money, but, but yeah, it, we can't you know charge you for it at the same time. By the way, something we haven't talked about. I don't know if you were going to get to it or not. I, I got to bring it up because I got yeah. I, 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 we got it's a complete non sequitur. All right. But go baseball. Are you aware of the promotion that Louisiana Tech is running tonight?
4: Is that real? I thought that was fake.
3: I don't believe that that is fake. Okay, because that was. I mean, I see the guy who put it out there. I don't know if that's a. a is, it, is it? Is it? Now, you, now you made me think. Okay, maybe I'm I'm wrong. Let me let me look. Just knowing what and we finally... know about. Let me see if I can find the actual So I've got
4: Louisiana Tech's, uh, yeah, no, there's no, there's nothing on here.
3: Ah,
4: lame. He got you. Boom. And now we're going to... All right, they they didn't,
3: yeah. I didn't say what it was. Fair enough. They got got nothing.
4: Bobby in Batesville is breaking our rule, but that's okay. He says, ooh, question, does Ole Miss lose a quarterback in the portal? This is not sourced. I'm not reporting anything. This is just me speculating, okay? That's all this is. I don't know how they don't. Because both Spencer Sanders and Jackson Dart are good enough to start and win games somewhere. And knowing that Spencer Sanders only has one year of eligibility remaining, I would be surprised. And again, only speculating. I would be surprised if, unless he is made aware that, hey, you're ahead, he sticks around through summer and training camp. with As a four-year starter with one year of eligibility left, are you really going to spend that final year third string, which is what whoever loses this battle would be? Nope. And same thing for Jackson Dart. If it is indicated to Dart, hey, Sanders is ahead. Are you sticking around all summer, all training camp, just to ride the pine after being the starter for 13 games last year? No. And I I have a feeling Kiffin and Weiss are going to try their hardest to not give either one an indicator. But if you're advising one of the two guys, are you telling them, to, hey, stick around? Stick around so you can sit the bench all year when you've got a dozen teams that would take you immediately and you would start immediately without having to do anything. Now, as we talked about before, there was a hang-up with Sanders that limited his options. Does that get better with the semester? You would hope so, but maybe it doesn't. So there's a dynamic there that's not being talked about enough. But no, I don't know how they are able to keep all three, specifically the two, I'd be surprised. I, I, I simply would be surprised if they both take this competition through training camp, knowing what yeah, I know about I the think, portal and tampering and all that crap, too.
3: Yeah, I think that yeah, whoever loses that battle will be out soon. You know, and they'll start getting some idea. This will not be a situation like last year where Altmaier was going to you know wait it out because he knew that Ole Miss didn't have anything behind him, right? He knew that if if Dart got hurt, it was going to be his job. Whereas the loser of this battle could could possibly see almost just go. You know what? Let's just go ahead and go to the future, and and throw it to Walker Howard and go from there. So, yeah, I, I think I think I think that person is going to be Spencer Sanders. I think he's going to be the. But it's, it's just so weird. It's so weird to me. This whole this whole thing is so weird. Of why did he come in the first place? You know, I, I just, I don't get it. I don't understand. He's going to be there for a couple months and then move on? I don't know.
4: Yeah, we, we did get this message. Uh, Sanders cannot transfer without sitting out a year. Uh, the next time the NCAA denies, that will be the first time, and I'll believe it when I see it. However, he also says he can't exactly. graduate at Ole Miss by the fall. I don't know what his academic situation is like, but... We have seen miracles worked in the name of getting football players eligible
3: and basketball and basketball. We'll put that guy on the Dante Jones program. We'll get him we'll get him graduated in no time. But
4: yeah I mean you know maybe it's a risk I guess, but I, I know the NCAA sent out a graphic or whatever, but I just if he wants to go play somewhere, people will figure out how to make that happen. That's life in college sports.
3: 100%. Yeah.
4: 100%. Steal the playbook and terminology. He can't transfer within the SEC. Nobody can. Right. Because we had somebody texting the show earlier that said Ole Miss should go after that Georgia linebacker that hit the portal. I mean, they can. Yeah. But he can't play this year. year. Yeah. That is an SEC rule, not an NCAA rule. Somebody, said, Yeah, again, somebody says Hugh Freeze planted him at Ole Miss. <laughs> you know? Part of me wonders. Part of me wonders if Kiffin, in part, in part, in small part, didn't pursue Sanders because also Auburn was.
3: By the way, have I told you my goal for Super First SEC Media Days?
4: What is that goal?
3: We are going to get Hugh Freeze at our table. I don't care. I who bet. I, got I bet we talk. can.
4: Uh, yeah, you probably don't even have to sweet talk. There is, there is like, the ego I mean, like, there to, to come back. Coach, and,
3: you remember you remember Richard? Y'all used to work together. Come sit with us for a little bit. I won't even sit in on the interview. I'll let Richard handle it. Yeah.
4: Oh, forgive the confusion. Yes, the Georgia tight end can transfer and play for Mississippi State. There is a, a deadline within the conference. February 1. February 1, and he transferred yeah. before. You had
3: to be in the transfer portal by February 1 to be eligible to transfer from one conference school to the other. Anyone who gets in now sits out a year.
4: Right. So, so he can play. For, forgive me for that confusion. Yes, he will be eligible in playing for Mississippi State uh, this year. Bobby says, Eddie Strong, anyone? If guys need to get eligible, they will.
3: That's just kind of how it is. Exactly. It Happens every year. When's the last time you really remember? I mean, State had those guys that were suspended a few years ago because of academics, but that right. was something different. That was, that was a, a, an academic they were, they were cheating, long story short. When's the last time you, just, you found out somebody couldn't play because they didn't make grades? When's the last time?
4: Uh, I believe he's still in the NFL. Uh, what was it, Jordan Wilkins, the running back for Ole Miss, had an advisor screw up, and he didn't have enough credits. Like, his grades were fine, but he didn't have enough hours and had to miss an entire year. And that was like
3: 2014, and that but that's a situation where like there was just a mix-up, right? We're talking right. about like straight up didn't get the grades, you know. Oh, coach, I'm sorry, I failed three classes. That did not happen. When's the last at time that it. happened? It doesn't happen anymore.
4: That there's they don't re- they don't allow it. That there's a reason that Mississippi State got in trouble, and mm-hmm. it's that that reason is only because they got caught doing what is standard practice. Spoiler alert: Student athletes. Some of them are, some of them are, but they don't yeah. have to be students if they're good enough at playing. They right. they find ways. It's that's the the dirty underbelly of college sports, and that's how it's always been, guys. It's not new. Yeah, I've, I've got stories, and Hey Dad's got stories, and anybody that sat in a college class with an athlete probably has stories as well one in particular whose name i won't repeat because there's no reason slept in class every single day and had his tests pre-done walked in on test day turned in the scantron left
3: it's good work if you can get it
4: so and th- and that is not unique to any place in america
3: no that happens literally everywhere so, literally. So,
4: somebody asked, "Would you all say that Mississippi State over the last ten years has had the better defense than Ole Miss?" Yeah. What kind of question is that? No offense.
2: Well, that's a
3: dumb question, my friend. Yes, they have. Then I mean, yeah. Ole Miss, you know, ten years. You go ten back, ten years, right? So you're talking 2023, 20, right? 14, 15, Ole Miss was good defensively when they had Kim Diche and those guys, but from 16 to today they've been a train wreck with like the, the one exception in 2021 where they were, you, you could say they were good. They weren't
2: great, yeah. they were
3: good. But State has had some elite defenses in that time, especially in terms of talent, putting talent in the NFL. No, uh, no doubt. Hunter, you're exactly
4: right. They didn't come to play school. Shout out Cardale Jones. We ain't come here right. to play school.
2: There you go. Oh,
3: man.
4: That guy won a national championship. That was awesome. Third straight quarterback winning the title.
3: Played two games and won a national title. Legend. I thought for sure he was going to be a decent pro. He's so big and strong. He's like a little miniature, not a miniature, but a smaller Jamarcus Russell. Had the the arm where you just flick his wrist and it goes 50 yards. Love that.
4: For some reason, that reminded me of this. Uh, Ben Roethlisberger was on a podcast recently ripping Lamar Jackson's uh, ability to throw from the pocket. From every statistical measurement, Lamar Jackson is better in the pocket than Ben Roethlisberger. Found that funny. Uh, 601-879-4395 is the text line. Fast show today. We only got one more segment with you coming up.
0: Sports Talk Mississippi.
1: What is going on here?
0: Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. Close. It's about time. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi.
4: I'm hoping you didn't see this. Quick, tell me the number one and number two teams in college football who lost the most players to the transfer portal. Ole Miss. No.
3: Oh, really? I thought they were. They were up there. Uh, I'll, um, I'll give you a hint. Okay. Uh,
4: so, of the top four, two are in the Pac-12. Two are in the SEC.
3: Colorado. Still not Colorado. Really, I thought they, that they, they are with that team packing.
4: Colorado is one behind these other two.
3: Then no, I haven't seen it go.
4: Excuse go. me, two behind these other two. So number one, okay. most transfers out in college football, Texas A and M. One of them mm-hmm. to old Mrs. Benefit. Thirty players thirty left the Texas A and M program after last season, the most in college football. It's a lot. So a lot of money out the window, too. Number two, Arkansas, 28.
3: Really? Okay. Yeah. I did not know that. And tied for third, Arizona
4: State and Oregon at 25 apiece.
3: I never knew that.
4: Colorado so I never far knew has that. lost 23. old Miss, uh, 24
2: to the portal. Okay. I knew they were up there.
4: Yeah, they are definitely up there. Miami, 21. Bad team, lost a lot of players. Texas lost 21. Yeah. So uh so there you go. Again 6018794395. Stat of the day. Number 1. I, st- I still want to spend more time on this, but still. Here's your new top 10 quarterbacks. Mentioned this yesterday, but here's your new one. Jalen Hurts, 1, Aaron Rodgers, 2, Russell Wilson, 3, Kyler Murray, 4, Deshaun Watson, 5, Patrick Mahomes, 6, Josh Allen, 7, Dak Prescott, 8, Matthew Stafford, 9, Daniel Jones, 10. That is salary this season. So, Dak Prescott, How, how about this? This is the angle I want to take. Prescott. Kyler Murray is getting paid $6 million more to be the quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals where they have to force him to study film. Then the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys who you don't have mm-hmm. to force to study film. No. Crazy.
3: I mean it, it, that's that's just the way that it works right now, you know. It it really has become a situation where they don't it's not about who's the best, it's about who's next. Who's the next guy, he resets the market and then go to the next guy. Now Mahomes is the best. So when he when his time comes and his time will come a little earlier than it should, right? I know you said he's got 8 years left on his deal. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if we start seeing 50 million, 55 million a year, he's going up. Yeah. So he'll be he's going to we aren't I don't know if we'll get it in my lifetime, and that's that's hard for me to say because I'm I'm an old man. But in your lifetime because you got about what 15, 20 years on me. Uh you, you might see the first $100 million a year player. Yeah. I mean, that's where it's trending. I mean, I mean, there's a kid right now in fourth grade who's the quarterback for his peewee team, and he will be the first $100 million a year quarterback yeah. in the NFL. Don't know who he is. I'm sure he's already got an offer from Hugh Freeze, but he, he's out there. And he's he's sitting on a gold mine. He just doesn't know it yet. Oh, man. When you think about stuff like that, I mean, yeah. you think about James. Let's say James. You know, you're like God. He's he's actually pretty good at baseball. And you don't know that you maybe your your son is the uh, the first. You know, sixty million dollar a year, seventy million dollar a year starting pitcher. Man, he's I'm got
4: my genes. That ain't happening.
3: Ah, uh, sorry to hear that. <laughs>
4: that 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 is just uh, that's just not happening. Uh, we will get into a mock draft tomorrow. At least I hope so. Anyway. You. Because, you. Uh, yeah, you, where are you. you? Where are you going?
3: Or ah, I'm going to the coast. Yes, sir. What are you going to do down there? I'll be gone. I'm going to drink and eat seafood, lounge by the pool. That's the good. I might stuff, get up right there. A, a massage, legitimate massage. I'm not the owner of the Patriots. <laughs> Legitimate. Five fifty seven if you need to if you need to clip that.
2: Legitimate
4: Oh uh, if I do that, how many people are gonna tag uh a certain
3: you freeze? Nap, nap?
4: <laughs> Just I just say his name. Oh man. Uh, so we'll do that tomorrow. We'll yeah, talk just... baseball. We'll get you ready for By uh By
3: the way, I don't know that Richard knows I'm going. Say nothing and let's just see if he puts me on the production call in the morning so I can make fun of him. Like, what are you what
4: are you doing? I'm trying to relax here. And well, enjoy yourself. Be safe. Have fun.
3: I will. Thank you. I will. R-
4: Richard, will be back tomorrow. Hey, that's off for the rest of the week. Thank you so much for making our show a part of your day. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow at 3. Y'all have a good night, and we'll see you then.